Welcome to the Stories to Love podcast, the podcast where I fangirl over creators and find out all about their inspiration in hopes to boost our own inspiration. I am your host, Tiff Marcello, an inspiration seeker and your resident fangirl. everyone, it's Tiff and it's just me for episode 3 of the Stories to Love podcast. This last week was quite exciting as it was my birthday. Um, I'm not sure how you celebrate birthdays, but I don't let it come and go in the span of a day. I celebrate it the whole week, the whole month really. My inspiration came this week in the form of another RV getaway. I know I'm privileged to have a way to get away from it all. In this form, uh, it is a home on wheels. It's about 27 feet long, big enough to sleep six and seat six, but not quite more than that. It has a small shower and toilet, and it has a two-burner propane stove, although we cook most of the time outside. And yes, just to answer everything you're probably thinking, we do have to dump our waste, etc. Um, it is probably the grossest part of living on the roads, but it is just a small part of it. Every time I'm out on the road, I wish that I could just live on the road. First of all, there's just something freeing about being outside. And because the RV is so small, there's no choice but to go outside. I am an introvert, and an introvert such as myself can be at home all day long. If I don't watch it, I could very well just not do anything involving the sun or the open air. Secondly, there's the factor of living simply when you're on the road. I... um, am from a big family and with a bigger family there is an inherent need for stuff that's multiplied with the amount of family members you have and in such a small space there is very little to expand in the small amount of time when we're on the road we're only really focused on each other and whatever essential work because my husband and I do still work on the road that part doesn't really stop um But I am so grateful because the RV has allowed for us to have social distancing. And for that, I am so thankful. This week, we made our way to the Outer Banks in North Carolina. We prefer south on Highway 12, so well south of Nags Head towards Hatteras, where there's much less people. It's a little more isolated. And with a short 10-minute walk, you can go from the ocean side Um, to the sound side so you can watch the sunrise from the ocean side and the sunset from the sound right sound side and we love the Outer Banks we try we have tried to go every year and it is the setting for my next romance series which is out in 2021 it's called Romance in the Outer Banks and that's going to be with Amazon Publishing Montlake Romance I finished drafting the book last week. This is just part of, of course, my update as I have um, indicated um, that I would be sharing what's going on in my writing life. And uh, preemptively, the book is called Love on the Run. And 
while I was away on this RV vacation, I was drafting on two other works, but I also figured out a revision plan for Love on the Run, and I thought I'd share it today. I love hearing what other authors uh, do at this stage of the process, and it's really neat to hear how it's approached. And I do try to learn from the best practices of authors. I think it's so important to be open to hear about new processes and perhaps learn something new. So um, to caveat, there are no hard and fast rules on how revisions are approached. I hate rules. I don't like somebody telling me that I can't do something, especially with something so personal as um, how I write my work. I really think this is where authorial voice comes in. And while there are rules, I feel like I need to know them. But I also feel like that after knowing them, that I can find a way to subvert them or perhaps just put my spin on it. I think every creator is somewhat that way where they kind of are told what the rules are and they like to play within those rules and as well as step out of those uh, rules. So while drafting is a completely different chat on its own, In short, the way I draft is that I just think up of all the scenes that I think this book should have. Most of the time I draft linearly, but with this draft for Love on the Run, there were so many scenes that came towards the end of the book or the end of my drafting of the book, probably because I thought of, I really started to get to know the characters. And so there were, there are definitely scenes out of place at the very end of my draft. But um, my process is that I write without looking back until the end and I make all of my notes. Let's say I think of something new about a character or scene. I'll just go ahead and put those notes in the draft and highlight them and keep going until I get to the end. For me, completion is my goal in the first draft and I know it's going to be pretty um It's going to be a pretty messy draft, but that's how I do it. And then what I like to do is I take a couple of days off. I don't usually take a couple of days off in between works or in between revisions because I'm usually on a momentum. But after first draft, I do like to take a couple of days off just to one celebrate because that is like a huge thing to do is to complete a first draft, but also to make a couple of notes in my notebook just so that I can be more purposeful coming through with first round revisions. So first round revisions is truly the hardest for me because my drafts are crap. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. Um, Truly, they are crap. So this round is all about teasing out what I have written and then putting it back together in some sort of a structure. And this is when I finally take out my notebook and take my story apart again. Um, I first start with the main characters and who they are and their motivations and their wound. Um, There's quite a few emotions or character books out there. Um, And I'll, I'll definitely, as I continue on this podcast and perhaps when I continue to share, I can link to all those, but we're talking about revisions. So Otherwise, this 
this episode will be like a million minutes long. But I first start with the main characters and who they are, their motivations and their wound and what they're trying to accomplish. It's when I also come up with their extensive backstory. Throughout the draft, I kind of figure out like what happened to them or how they grew up and how they were treated and how they feel. And I know that some of their real, uh, some of their backstory is not going to make it on the page, but it's still important for me sometimes to write that out. And that's when I take my notebook out and that's when I write it out. Um, And then I build their setting. So in this case, it's the Outer Banks. So I catalog and research weather and plants in the area. Most of all, I do... um, write down what it mean, what the setting means to the character. For me, that's what setting means to me. Setting is like another character. So my characters have to feel something about it. Either they hate it there or they love it there. Um, or it brings them back to another memory, something. So the setting is definitely its own character for me. Um, and then finally, there's the plot. I think that if you ask authors how they plot, you'll get a million different character, uh, million different um, methods and books, or perhaps a Frankenstein of different methods. For me, after different ways of approaching plot, I've definitely settled into Save the Cat, which is a three act structure. Now, I, I do have to say that there are so many ways to think about plot. And while I don't follow Save the Cat to the T, it's the book that spoke to me in a way that I understood. Here's the thing with craft books and classes and things like that. I, I, I believe in going to classes. I love master classes. Whenever I see there's a conference, I try to sign up because I like to hear ways to approach a problem or a situation I like to I like to to take all different kind of ways and then somehow make it my way. It's much like um, cooking, where I might read like three different um, recipes, and perhaps one doesn't make too much sense to me, or the other one, the other one's ingredients aren't totally exactly what I want, and somehow I cobble it together. But in any case, save the cat is written in a way where I can understand. And so it's the method that I go back to time and again, though I do uh, take in a little bit of story genius in there, um, as well as romancing the beat. And I'll put that all in the, um, the show notes when I publish this. Um, so when, so I read all the pertinent note, pertinent notes I have for Save the Cat because I've read that book several times and I've highlighted it immensely and I've sticky noted it. And so I go back and I read all those points because those are probably the points where I probably had some questions about. And then I take what I remember of my story and I go ahead and list them all on my notebook. Now I, I I am not much of a three by five card or a board person. I've realized that over the years that I lose things and I have so many kids. I mean, I only have three kids now at home, but it can be really 
kind of a laughable thing when you realize that you've lost half your cards. So that's, I've always had a child. Um, and it's just that this last couple of years when my oldest child has left the nest, but I have just gotten used to the fact that I don't work well with three by five cards because it'll fly away and then the dog will grab it. And then next thing you know, I've lost half my plot points. So everything is on a spiral bound notebook. I've realized that I love spiral bound versus hard bound flat lay books. I think it's because I like to flip the page over anyway. That's just being really picky. But in each act, I quickly jot down the scenes I have already drafted and what I remember in hopes to find the holes in the plot that I'm missing. So sometimes I do miss scenes. Um, And there are also scenes where my characters go rogue and I know I may have to cut them. So what I do in this three-act structure on my notebook is that I just do my absolute best to see where things come into play and then write down notes of other things that have to happen in the book. So it's kind of important for me to say that while revision planning, uh, revision planning is not just about getting everything in order perfectly because it's not going to be perfect, but it's also a time when I'm pumping myself up. So those like two days that I'm trying to figure out if my book is is going to be anything. It's sort of like a coach, like pumping up an athlete, like you can do it. Um, that it's a reminder that yes, I do have scenes and it's not all bad. Um, but I also don't linger on revision plans for too long. So I only do it for a couple of days because after this, if I think too much, I can lose my, my nerve. I'm a classic Virgo in a sense that, um, I, I could plan to the death of me and I will, and perfectionism is a flaw. So I have to just get going. So, um, as of this morning from my 64 K manuscript, I'm at about five K in revisions and I'm already adding, uh, words and descriptions and things like that. And my hopes And really the goal is to get to 85K, which is what's required from my publisher when I turn it in in November. So I know I have plot holes and I just have to deal with it at that time. So as I record this, it's also the first day of virtual schooling. I am in my basement and my, um, my senior in high school, my senior high schooler, uh, worked out downstairs And then now is about to get ready uh, for classes. So that was kind of jostling to have him um, hang around me while I'm trying to work. So it is going to be a challenge. If you listen to last week's podcast, then you'll know I was kind of worried about it. But worry is really not the right term. It's more that I'm just wondering how this is all going to work out because I have... um, you know, three children in three different age groups, markedly market age groups, um, doing on camera work with their teacher. And I'm also working from home. And so is my, my spouse at this time, or he come comes in and out. So it should be a little interesting. And of course I have my son who likes to work out early in the morning. So, and he made himself breakfast and all of that stuff. Um, but it's it's not really, and on top of all that, it's not really all about logistics. 
Um, it's also being able to keep my kids engaged in a way that will fulfill them in the way that school fulfilled me because I love school growing up. So I guess this topic of revision probably brings me back to birthdays and virtual schooling because it's about being open to what comes next. I feel like that's where I am right now in this specific birthday, as well as in this specific month and in this specific manuscript. There's really no one way. This is what I came up with in my drive back from the from the Outer Banks is like there's really not going to be a way to approach this in a perfect manner and we're just in this phase of um living and I'm in this phase of my life where I have to be open to revision I have to be open to make changes and I have to kind of also understand that there are going to be plot holes and that I have to be okay to write that in and just kind of go with it and perhaps rearrange some things so um, and at the same time, it's, I've got to pump myself up and just go for it. So to end, here's to revisions and birthdays and virtual schooling and whatever you guys might be celebrating this coming week. Um, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. This is episode three of the stories to love podcast. And, um, please subscribe to the podcast and I hope to have you come back and I wish you all the inspiration in the coming days. All right, everyone have a great day. Thank you so much for joining me, Tiff Marcello at the stories to love podcast. You can follow me through my newsletter at tiffmarcello.com and Instagram and Facebook, as well as Twitter under Tiff Marcello and stories to love podcast. You can support this podcast by picking up my most current book, Once Upon a Sunset. Thank you for joining me.